0: Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the EDH Jank Center podcast. This is a cheeky little show where we break down five janky, budget, or underutilized cards every other week. These cards may not be the best, most efficient, or even good, but here at the Jank Center, we believe every single card deserves a chance to shine. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and today I am joined by my co-host, the astounding Cress Lightning, everyone.
1: I just want to say that if we're both shining right now, we're blinding somebody. Somebody is being blinded by our shine.
0: That's how shiny we are. I'd like to think of it as like we're illuminating someone else's path. Oh, that's... like They don't know that they want to play all these janky and fun cards. And our light is shining the way through, you know? And the people who are getting
1: blinded are just like looking into the sun. They're like, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sun is like the staples that are hurting their eyes. They're like, ah, it's just not creative enough. And the sun is hurting me. So then they turn to us and we got, hey, we have this alternate light. You might want to check it out. True, and then they follow down the path. Maybe they join the Discord. Maybe they join the Patreon. Who knows? But that path is a bit more exciting, in my opinion. And then they could shine too. Exactly. (laughs) Just like the cards we're about to talk about. (laughs) What a what a segue! (laughs) Uh, How you doing, though, baby? How was your week?
1: It's been a long week. Did a lot of like health related things. Had to go Mm -hmm. buy a bunch of like skincare stuff and
0: nice. Vitamin Hey, your skin is an organ. You got to take care of it. True. A lot of people don't know that. Your skin is an organ. That should be like MTG guard. Uh, skin, creature type, organ. <laughs> oh my God. Or uh, no, no. What if skin was like an aura enchantment?
1: <laughs> an aura enchantment?
0: Yeah. To put. Yeah.
1: attach a skin to
0: somebody? Okay. Maybe that was more gruesome than I thought it was going to be. Not if my... you
1: think of it like a video game skin, like you're, you're changing your, your outfit.
0: Oh yeah. No, that's what I meant. Definitely not what I was picturing, but that's what I that meant, for sure.
1: Yeah, so uh did a lot of that stuff,
0: spent a lot of money, yeah. and wish I didn't have
1: to spend money on things all the time, forever,
0: being an adult. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I mean, at least your skin's going to be glowing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's already starting to feel better. So
0: I live Amazing. Uh, in a
1: climate that is very, very humid in the summer, and then it is very, very dry in the winter. And so coming from a place that was dry all the time in LA to moving to here. I haven't quite my skin hasn't quite gotten used to it
0: yet. Do your lips chap? Are you one of those people who you always have to wear chapstick in the winter? Uh, not always. I'm so lucky. I feel like I never ever have to wear chapstick knock on wood. Oh really? But I have never had that problem. I have lots of friends who do.
1: Yeah, I uh, sometimes uh, they're dry, but if they're dry, I just put some chapstick on, right? Like, But it's not like all the time thing. I also don't go outside very often.
0: Ah, uh, fair, fair <laughs> so enough. There's that. You know, it doesn't necessitate uh, putting chapstick on all the time. Uh, fair enough. Fair
1: yeah. Enough. I, and if we're out in the cold, I'm probably going to be pretty bundled up. So I'm right. not going to be like with my mouth exposed. I'm going to probably be like bundled up. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cute. That's cute.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate you calling me cute. You're You're pretty cute.
0: You were away. I was away. I was away for three days. I went to Dallas with my dad and my brother. For those who don't know, I am very into football, American football. I watched the NFL with my dad pretty much every year, ever since I was 11 or 12. And I'm a Seahawks fan. He's a Cowboys fan. And they played each other. This week, this Thursday night, and my dad thought it would be really fun to go and watch the game in person. He had never been to Cowboy Stadium, so we flew. My brother came along. He's not necessarily like the biggest football fan, but he appreciates it and enjoys it uh, when yeah. he does watch it. So we just went and had a ball, had a, some amazing, amazing food in Dallas. I believe that. Genuinely like some really, really awesome meals, Un- unforgettable meals for sure. I had these five spiced duck curry noodles Oh, what? At this restaurant called Hawker's in Deep Ellum in Texas, in Dallas. They were spectacular. I cannot stop thinking about them. And I am really excited because a a good friend of ours is getting married next year in Dallas and we'll get to go again. And I'm I'm excited for my friend. He's found love and uh, that's all amazing. But also, I get to have the noodles again, (laughs) which is great. I do want to talk about very briefly an encounter I had at the game. At any live sporting event, you're gonna find like very loud, boisterous people. Sure. So I was like anticipating that, and I knew that going into Cowboy Stadium as a Seahawks fan was definitely gonna be like, oh, eyes are gonna be on me. If the Seahawks oh, right. score, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cheering. I'm not gonna hold it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his girlfriend sat next to me, but in the chair over from her, I ran into what is I think the most obnoxious, toxic, masculine person I have ever met in my life. In Texas? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at a football stadium my god just uh, unbelievable
0: <laughs> um yeah so i'll keep it short i'll i'll remove some of the expletives but um this man would just as soon as he realized that i was a Seahawks fan it was like i could feel his eyes on me throughout the game just waiting for ways to like push me or like try and get me sort of riled up. And I'm a very even keeled person. That's true. Also know and have met a lot of these like sort of quote unquote alpha dudes. Sure. And I know that the exact thing that they want is for you to react so that it gives them a reason to keep going. And like, you know, maybe escalate a fight. He was also drinking that. you know, 100%. So in the middle of the game, he turns over to me and every time ca- the Cowboys score, he like taps me on the shoulder and like tries to give me a high five. It's already no, go- like don't touch strangers. Right, and he already <sighs> was like doing that throughout the game. So I'm like, okay, you know, rolling my eyes, but I-, I play along just to keep him at bay. I give him the high five, whatever. His girlfriend is continuously like apologizing, like I'm so sorry for him. like. Okay. <laughs> and then at a certain point, he leans over and this he this is like close to the third quarter. He's pretty drunk at this point. Right. And he's like he like taps me on the shoulder again. He's like, "Hey, do you bet on football? Do you bet? Do you do you make bets?" And I was like, "Um, I use like the betting app sometimes. Like it's fun. It's a little hobby sure, sure, sure. And he's like, "I'll bet you 2 to 1. 2 to 1 that the Seahawks win." So if you give me $20, you'll make 40." And I was like, <laughs> "I know what that means." <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, like, I'm okay, man. I just kind of want to watch the game. And he was like, is that because you have a giant pussy? And I was like, (laughs) and it was weird because like his girlfriend was like in between us. So like he's like leaning over her to like talk to me.
1: Sounds like this girl should break up with him. He's like
0: up in my face, says that word in that way, attempts to emasculate me and all that. Sure, sure, sure. Dumb stuff. And um, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm okay." And then he turns (laughs) away. And then later, he starts calling uh, the Seahawks players the F slur. And that was when I was like, oh, oh, this guy like really sucks. Because before that, I was like, okay, he's just drunk and annoying. But then I'm just like, "Ah, okay, now we're starting to see like some things that he's okay with saying. Again,
1: in Texas?
0: No <laughs> way. In Texas of all places. I know. I know. And then at a certain point, this is what really did it for me. It just geeked me out. He turned over, he taps me on the shoulder. He's like, do you have a vape? <laughs> And I was like, you could not be any more on brand. And anyways, he ends up really pissing his girlfriend off at a certain point, and she sort of leaves before him. And when he goes up to leave, I guess to go talk to her, the guys behind me tap me on the shoulder, and they're like, hey, if you take a swing at him, we'll back you up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god people fucking hate this guy
0: yeah literally like everyone in the rows around us were just like i guess also thinking man this guy's kind of a douche and uh, i was like listen i'm not a fighter man I, I appreciate that and he just he was like i just want to let you know like all cowboys fans are not like this guy like please don't think that we're all like this yada 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 and i was like that's very nice I, you know that's a kind but yeah i'm good i'm good but yeah, it was like this guy was an NPC designed to disrupt my viewing experience. While I let it not bother me as much as possible, it was kind of annoying. That being said, it's now a funny story. And I just wanted to tell it live on the pod so that people could You should switch
1: places with your brother. Because I like can't imagine your brother even responding to a guy like that.
0: I feel like my brother—he would have like ignored him a lot more than me, uh, but also I think my brother has a shorter fuse than me, and actually might have said something that—that's fair. You know, would have instigated something. So
1: that's fair. Yeah, you—you you have that like politeness vibe, and I mean this in a positive way. Yeah. that you tend to reach out and say things out of politeness, out yeah. of respect, out of like a mutual respect that absolutely
0: is not mutual. <laughs> right. That you, that you give I think I'm, a, I'm I'm just a decent de-escalator. I have good people skills and I I'd agree with that. I have I I won't tell this story, but I have talked someone down from punching me in the face before. That's <laughs> very cryptic, but we'll get to it eventually. What? <laughs> But yeah, overall, it was a really great experience. I got to bond a lot with my brother and my dad, which is really nice because as adults, we just don't get to see each other that often anymore. And yeah, I was really grateful for that experience. And unfortunately, the Seahawks lost, but it was just such a great game. Everything you want out of a live, especially a live experience, because you pay money to be there. It's everything you could have wanted back and forth and just high scoring and really, really fun. It was it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I went. Yeah.
1: I'm not super into sports,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I
1: would say that Cowboys is like one of the teams. Like it's one of the big ones that like really rowdy. Like it's, oh, it's not, America's it's, team, baby. Yeah. Right. It's you hear about the Cowboys. You hear about the Patriots. You hear about there's another big one.
0: Um, I'd say like the Steelers and and the yeah, Packers. Steelers they're thinking. all like big fan bases just because they're old. And they've been yeah. around for the longest uh, or some of the longest times. But yeah, speaking of the longest time, Magic's been around for a very long time, at least as long as as American football. That was a good transition. I feel like that was better than last episode. Hey, you
1: don't need to to say sorry for the last episode. We did it. It was was good.
0: It was good. But I just want to get better. I'm like a shonen anime main character. I need to get stronger in my transitions every time.
1: That is true. Am I the fun, flamboyant, friend character who shows up every once in a while and is like, you need to learn this (laughs) power-up.
0: Yeah, yeah. except, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Hell yeah. Or I'm the Joey Wheeler of the group. Oh my God. (laughs) Get him, Yug. (laughs) So good. But we're not a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Let's talk about our first card of the day, which is Force of Savagery, which is a two and a green creature elemental from Future Sight. It has Trample, and it's an eight zero. Buckle your seatbelts, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're about to get into some deep MTG rulings here. So this, if you're not familiar with the channel at all, I do shorts on the YouTube channel and on TikTok and on Instagram, we do cross-platform everywhere. <gasps> shorts Jordan. Shorts Jordan, that's right. <laughs> The shorts, we take a card that's like super janky or something that the audience suggests in the comments, and I'll just find a commander that it fits in. So it's called Finding Homes for Janky Cards, and that's what we do. And this is one of the most requested cards on the YouTube shorts. By the time this has come out, I have now done a video on this. But man, this was like so requested because people, I think, look at this and they just see that that it has zero toughness and they're like, Oh yeah, no, it's like unplayable. You cannot possibly play this card because it would just die immediately. And I want to talk about the reasons why it would die immediately. What's,
1: are something okay? just clicked in my brain and I'll talk about it after we talk about what it means to be an 8-0 card. Okay, but cool.
0: Something just made sense to me, for those who don't know, while I was just talking, Crest just like opened their. It was like so wide and like surprised. I was like, oh, my God, is something happened in their apartment or anyways, <laughs> I want to talk about this uh, real quick, because for those who don't know, Force of Savagery, if you cast it and there's no way to buff before or as it enters, it will literally immediately die because any creature with zero toughness cannot exist on the battlefield. So you will play it. And then, what's called a state based action will occur and it will check the toughness of uh, the creature that just entered. And since Force of Savageries is at zero, it will immediately go to the graveyard, i.e., it will die. And you might be thinking, well, on the surface, this doesn't do much.
1: However, A three drop with eight power is kind of ridiculous if it can get onto the board.
0: Now, there are a few ways that you can get this to enter with a plus one plus one counter, like Chorus of the Conclave, for example, which is a four green, green, white, white. This is obviously a way overcosted way to do this. There's obviously other ways to do it. It says as an additional cost to cast creature spells, you may pay any amount of mana. If you do, that creature enters the battlefield with that many additional plus one, plus one counters on it. So if you're paying this effect and you're casting Force of Savagery, you will be able to put counters on it as it enters the battlefield before state-based actions check its toughness. Same thing with Anthem effects. So if you have an enchantment on the battlefield that says all creatures get plus one, plus one...
1: Yeah, I was just about to ask that. So it will happen because creatures you control have that Exactly
0: always, right? It'll enter, it'll get the buff... I'm not sure about exactly about the timing, but essentially it, it happens simultaneously. It doesn't really get the buff as much as the buff is always applied because the buff is to you, right? Right. Or rather, the sta- the maybe maybe the buff is part of the state-based action as yeah, well. I don't man. know. It's not necessarily... Looking at a
1: list of the checks of how this works is very... Compl- if people didn't already leave because you mentioned American football in this episode, uh, trying to explain this list will absolutely get people <laughs> to click off Yeah,
0: video. I hope it didn't scare people off with that. But uh, <laughs> hey, you can have many interests, okay? I like Pokemon. I also like Pokemon, and I also like football, and I also like magic. And that's okay and cool. But anyways, if you don't have these Anthem effects or ways to put plus one, plus one counters on it, there are still ways to use this card that I think we should talk about. So I actually found a Reddit post that is pretty good at describing, generally speaking, what state-based actions are. So I'm going to read this comment from this user, Tyran13, and they say, The short version is that state-based effects are constantly being checked as the game is going. Things like players' life totals and poison counters, damage that's marked on creatures cards in the graveyard and number of cards in hands. Anything that needs to know these things is constantly aware of them and can't be responded to. For example, you can't respond to being at zero or less life, you just lose. Right. So essentially, yeah, these are things that, like this toughness thing, this is a good point, you cannot respond to any of this. They don't go on the stack, they just happen. Um, And that's something that differentiates them from abilities that go on the stack and can be responded to like activated abilities and triggered abilities. You want to explain why you had such wide eyes? Oh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about uh, state-based actions. Hopefully, that didn't confuse all of our listeners.
1: Yeah, so I think the fact that this card is eight zero is thematically really important to the card itself. I was okay. trying to figure out what this card is because there's a quote on the card that's from Fraley's, and if you don't know who that is in Magic: The Gathering, she's like a <laughs> she's like an elf who just like elves just a little bit too much.
0: She's a planeswalker too, right?
1: Yeah, I think she is a planeswalker. So this is during the Time Spiral block. This is from a set called, who? Uh, it's called Future Sight. Yeah. This card itself is not a future shifted card, but it is part of like this like weird set where they were just making weird cards yeah. that
0: look really wonky. Before this episode, in the research, oh, I didn't even know what future shifted cards were. But then you showed me. Yeah, I'll throw one on the screen. Yeah. So I thought that that was just like a
1: thing that Wizards is trying for a little bit because they're old and I'm like, those are old cards. Um, But Time Spiral Block is not that old. And so the two images for Savagery came out in the same set. But what they were doing here is uh, during the Time Spiral Block, there's like this thing called the Great Mending that happens. And part of it is that uh, Frey Elise uses... The entirety of the forest to like stop one of the time rifts. This is like OG for well, not the OG, OG Phyrexians, but like this is like one of the major big Phyrexian invasions before the like one. The one that happened before the one that's happening now. <laughs> Correct.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and before the new Phyrexia. So this is still on Dominaria. Mm-hmm. And so what we're looking at in the art of this card is the forest that Fraile's. Is like so protective of, and her oh. like basically giving themselves up to stop this time rift. They both die for the the great mending. Oh my god! Yeah, which is where wow. they reset the timeline. They reset the Magic the Gathering timeline after the great mending, which is important for like lore reasons. Mm-hmm. So thematically, it being an eight zero makes sense because it's so powerful. And then they die. They get. They, 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 it doesn't even die, right? Like it doesn't hit it the goes, battlefield. It
0: just sort of it just goes, and away. goes away because yeah. it's stopping the time rift. Wow, that's really cool. That's a great little design. I, my brain just went... Yeah, I, that makes it's sense. It's the cra-
1: <laughs> It's what makes... It's things like this that make magic so fun. It's the flavor of, like, how they mesh mechanics to, like... With
0: storyline. With with storytelling. It's so yeah, cool. that is very cool. Like,
1: flyers... Need other flyers to defend them because otherwise mm-hmm. they're just literally flying over the people mm-hmm. on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's those kinds of things that how they mechanically function. This it's it makes this game really cool.
0: You're really cool, and you know what else is really <gasps> cool? This card synergy. The next card with. Cards like, what a transition, I want to mark that. That was a great transition, too. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about here is um, is the fact that this card also, um, if you don't want to keep it on the field, right, with Anthem effects and plus one, plus one counters, which it is very powerful if you do that. It becomes an 8-1 with Tramp or a 9-1 if it's a plus one, plus one counter. With Trample, you can buff it up. It comes down for three mana. Like, it's just generally pretty good if you have mm-hmm. the setup for it. But also, this is very, very fun to use in sort of graveyard shenanigans. Specifically, though, I want to talk about its synergy with, like, Crush the Bloodbraided. Yeah. Crush the Bloodbraided is two black, red, green legendary creature, human warrior. Whenever another creature dies, whether it's yours or your opponent's, you may put X plus one plus one counters on Crush the Bloodbraided, where X is that creature's power, and it starts out as a 3-3. So if you've been paying attention so far, you could follow that Force of Savagery in a Kresh the Blood-Rated deck is a three-mana target creature gets plus eight, plus eight, plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty yeah. solid. Uh, that immediately turns Kresh into an 11-11. For three mana. And give him double strike, and then he's immediately lethal commander damage. Right. That's just one of many synergies that Force of Savagery has. Anything that cares about creatures dying will love this card. In my short about this, I talked about its synergy with Dritz Do-Urden or Drizzt do or... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still don't know exactly how to pronounce it. I, I just know that in that video, I got flamed on the internet for how I pronounced uh, Drizzt's name. Or, I don't even know. <laughs> Dritz Do-Urden... It's that one card from, like, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. He's, like, a very popular D&D character, and I've only played one game sure. of D&D in my life. And it same. was not with those characters. So. Also same. Anyways, I think that puts a little cap on Force of Savagery. Uh, It is also under a dollar, so it makes it an excellent budget selection if you want to get funky for under a dollar. But let's move on to our next card of the day, which is Precognition. Old cards, old (laughs) cards, old cards. It is a four and a blue enchantment. This one is from Tempest. It says, "During your upkeep, you may look at the top card of target opponent's library. You may then put that card on the bottom of his or her library."
1: Reverse Scry. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I think this card is super fun and sneaky and low stakes enough to go under the radar and skirt any removal because this kind of card has an effect that can alter games. Yeah. So if someone's scryed and kept a card on top and you have this card, you can take a look and send it to the bottom and completely disrupt your opponent's entire game plan. I don't think so. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that that is an extremely powerful effect because it affects the future of the game as well. Yeah. Not just in the moment, but the entire plan for your opponents and their opponents all changes by shifting cards around.
1: One could say you future shifted their plan.
0: Nice. (laughs) Little tie-in to the first card. Look at us doing callbacks. We're professional podcasters now. Little
1: time spiral back to the first card. Oh
0: my God. I could go all night. One could also call Force of Savagery a tempest because this card's <laughs> that's <also contentious>. true <laughs> anyways someone pointed this out to me in the discord and i just thought it was super fun and i i know that it's it's five mana so yeah it's a bit overcosted for what it does but i think that again there's ways to discount that and also you're scry every turn yeah this effect is fun enough and effective enough i think to warrant running it not even in just budget builds but cards that care about manipulating the top of your library or opponent's libraries i think this is thematic enough and synergistic enough to to make it in there yeah also i wanted to talk about if you can make copies of this with things like mirror Maid, and again this is in blue and if you're running blue there's plenty of ways to copy stuff um mirror Maid is an enchantment that comes in and can enter as a copy of any enchantment or creature on the battlefield if you make copies of this you can actually look at all three opponents libraries with all the different copies and be sending all of their cards to the bottom, which I think is really fun. So
1: it's like it's like complicated milling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really slow, ineffective, complicated milling. Yeah,
1: because you're not getting rid of your cards. You're just being annoying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I also think that this has a really good political angle because, again, it's not milling. It's very selective. It's singular. So if someone wants to keep their card on top, they can make a deal with you. Yeah. If they have something powerful... You could be like, listen, I know what you're going to do, um, and I'll let you do it if you do XYZ for me. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of ways to go about that, and I think make some really good deals with your for yourself. And my last thing I kind of want to talk about with this card is the synergies it has with a card like Griptide. Now, Griptide is a three and a blue instant. It says, put target creature on top of its owner's library. So what you can do is cast something like Griptide that returns a creature to the top of its opponent's library. Hmm. And then like before your turn, like in response to their end step or something, if it's a problem creature you don't want to deal with. Then with precognition, you can use that upkeep trigger to send that creature to the bottom of your opponent's library, which I think is a really fun and hilarious way to remove a creature because it's like, no, it's not dead. You can still have it. (laughs) It's just you got to go all the way to the bottom of your library to get it,
1: which is annoying.
0: It is very annoying, but also kind of fun.
1: I wanted to mention the pretty angel on the card on this art, this artwork by Jeff Miracola.
0: That is Jeff Miracola.
1: Awesome. <laughs> for the art from Jeff Miracola, I wanted to highlight how f- sad this angel's life is yeah she goes through unrequited love because just like the last card i wanted to talk about this because this is she's like one of the first beings to get completed whoa for real so yeah so she gets experimented on
0: by Yagmoth himself (gasps) oh my god yeah that is crazy how much history this this card has that's that's right before
1: phyrexians even claimed the term completion right like before they started Mm -hmm. completing she kind of like was one of the og completed characters in in the lore
0: Wow, that is so interesting. For those who are listening, the card art does feature like this sort of like very beautiful woman sort of blasting or like, I don't even know. Like it says the, the flavor text, it says a gleam like struggling sunlight penetrated Selenia's dark thoughts. Right,
1: so she's like from the Sarah plane mm-hmm. and she like falls in love with one of the like weatherlight, or or vice versa. One of the weatherlight people falls in love with her. Unclear, okay. but like they can't be together, but she like often comes to help them out the
0: weatherlight crew uh i've been where selenia's at i get it girly
1: <sighs> but you know it's not completed what the next card
0: <laughs> <laughs> no was that not as smooth as the other two transitions no, i loved it i just love <laughs> that we're making the transition so obvious and intentional hell yeah it really geeks me out now let's talk about one of my favorite all-time cards this potentially could make it into my five cards or die list this is a card called scoot mob mob. and it is one green mana it is a creature insect and it says at the beginning of your upkeep if you control five or more lands put four plus one plus one counters on scoot mob and it's a one one now listen i want to also i don't always read the flavor text but i I want to point out the flavor text on this one it says survival rule 781 there are (laughs) Always more Scoot Bugs. And I think about that all the time. (laughs) Like whenever someone plays Scoot Swarm or Scoot Mob, I'm always thinking about there's always more. There's always more.
1: There's always more. I feel like Scoot Mob is one of those cards in our play group that comes up as often as like a Fog Bank does. It's like the green equivalent of that.
0: I was literally just going to say my first thing in the show notes is talk about the olden days when we used to play 60 card decks. <laughs> so back in the olden days, when we first started playing magic with each other, our old friend group in Los Angeles, we only built 60 card decks and we were using, we had no, I had no idea what commander was. I think you and blaze, uh, both did, but you just kind of didn't talk about it that much or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember that one of the first decks I ever built was was a 60 card insect kindred deck. Mm. And it featured very heavily four copies of Scoop Mob because I literally saw it in the LGS that we used to go to and was like, oh my God, this is the most broken card I've ever (laughs) seen in my life four plus one plus one counters on my upkeep and all I need are five lands like that's amazing and this was a powerhouse for a while and also like in our play group whenever it came down everyone was kind of making jokes and laughing and having a good time and so I always think very fondly of this card right and low-key it became part of my identity for a while back then
1: yeah it's one of those things that I think like fog bank it appears to be just like really really good like there's ways to deal with it but it's not it's not so good that it's like mm-hmm. horrible and even in like token decks where you're just like making a bunch of scoot mobs all the time you know when you're copying scoot mobs over and just there's always more scoot bugs right scoot swarm i think does that right it creates more yeah
0: scoot swarm is the one that goes exponential it creates copies of itself which excellent flavor for that card yeah. specifically too but that's like that's a very powerful card we wouldn't necessarily normally talk about it on here but but that is an amazing card right
1: Right, there. but I think Scoop Mob is just like, yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, cool. We'll let it power up once and then we'll take care of it. It's not worth
0: (laughs) hitting it as a 1-1 and then the next turn it's a... And no keywords, by the way. Like there's no evasion, no trample, no nothing. So I think it can very easily fly under the radar. And it can be one of those things where you hold up interaction, maybe something that gives it trample or double strike or unblockable in your hand and swing at someone. They think it's harmless because they can just chump block it, but you actually have some clever stuff in your hand that you can deploy. I mean, two turns, it's a 9-9. And then not to mention... If you're also running like counter doublers or like proliferate effects, you can be adding on to that effect slowly and incrementally throughout the game, too.
1: Or or ways for moving counters around, even using it as a generator.
0: And if you're ramping to something I wanted to bring up as well is normally. So like, let's say you're playing a land every turn. You're going to have this activated around turn five or six, right? Like mm-hmm. that's around when it's going to be And that for a lot of players. That's a bit too late in the game. However, if you're ramping, if you're using your rampant growths and your cultivates, you can actually get this online as early as turn three, which I think is pretty decent. And then it'll scale up from there. And I just love generally cards that do that. Mm. Cards that will just continue to get better as the game goes on without you having to invest anything else in it. And Scoop Mob is one of those things. It's under a dollar, one mana, and it'll grow into a giant swarm if you're not careful, you know? It's a
1: good card.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. It's a
1: good card, but it's not too busted, right? Like, you can take care of it if you really wanted to. I like cards that are fun. I Just give me more fun
0: cards to play with
1: in Commander.
0: Exact. Wizards, give us more fun cards. uh,
1: Yeah, I know you come up with millions of billions of ideas all the time. I want more Scoot. Where's the Scoot Commander?
0: Oh, yes. That's actually a great idea because I was going to say I just want a proper insect typal commander or multiple of them because what we have now, it's like there's one, uh, there's Blex, Vexing Pest, and there's also, oh, there's another Golgari one, but there's another one that's also Jund. But again, I just, they're not exactly what I want. And what I want is just like, Insect token specifically, mm-hmm. and also like go wide and go tall insects. I think that would just be a like really fun like build.
1: specifically designed for like insects exactly. as opposed to whatever the the those specific commanders do and revolving around the exactly.
0: I just yeah, just yeah. like a general thing that I can sort of slam a bunch of my favorite insects in and have it be like generally pretty good and fun. Also, like the flavor text here is just iconic. It's such a fun little card and it's golden. I wonder though, is, it, are there any more survival rules? in the flavor text. I think if there aren't, that would be really fun to explore too. Oh,
1: by Zerdy? I don't know. I didn't look that part up. I wanted to talk about how Scoot Bugs are only
0: on Zendikar. (laughs) They're like a pest on Zendikar.
1: Yeah, they're only on (laughs) Zendikar. There's only this card in Scoot Swarm, and both are from Zendikar sets. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Zendikar (laughs) Rising. I forgot about that set. I remember when Scoot Swarm first came on the scene and it, like, broke MTG Arena because people were, like, doing, the you know, <laughs> infinite things with it, exponentially yeah. multiplying the Scoot Swarms. And at a certain point, Arena would just kind of crash. I remember that. Poor little computer. <laughs> yeah, literally. They don't have
1: brains like we that do. That is true. Shouldn't
0: do that to computers. All right. Let's uh let's let's get away from these bugs. They're kind of making me itch a little bit. One could say you could use this next card to do just that. <laughs> Wow, that's actually pretty smart. Well, the next card <laughs> is Laser Screwdriver. The recolor this mana artifact from the Doctor Who Precons. It says tap, add one mana of any color. You can pay one generic and tap it and tap target artifact. That's so funny. You can pay two, t- <laughs> two generic and tap it to surveil one. And then it says you can pay three generic and tap it and go to target creature. You know I love me some goading. That's so funny. I gotta say... This is probably one of my favorite cards of the year just because it has everything I... Really? Yeah. It has everything that I would like to do in a pretty (laughs) low-costed... Now, maybe I'm paying attention to mostly the goading, but here's the thing. It goads. You can do this multiple times, so it can be very effective. You can discount it because it's an artifact. It can go in any deck because it's an artifact. It's colorless. And also, it's just plenty, and I preach this all the time on the channel, plenty of utility for low investment, you pay three mana, you get well, a, it is a screwdriver, right? Exactly. Which is also extremely flavorful. I don't know anything about Dr. Who, but you pay three mana, you get a mana rock, but you also get something that can tap down problematic artifacts or artifact creatures, you get something that can get you card advantage. If you're playing a graveyard deck, surveilling is actually really, really good. And also the goading pushes away problem creatures away from your board and makes other people deal with them. I mean, I can't say enough about this. It's 35 cents currently at the time of recording. So it's great for budget builds. I love it. I think there's another screwdriver in the set as well that does like, it's like a similar thing. But here, go ahead. Tell me about Doctor Who. I will explain.
1: I'm not a Doctor Who expert. So all of you Doctor Who experts scream at me if I mess any of this up. Because I only watched the like, really the David Tennant, era he's the 10th doctor the doctor like reincarnates it's what it's like one of the abilities of things called time lords which is what the doctor is oh very cool he, time travels he's like an eight he's like a spaceman he's not from earth yeah so he's like his own race called a time lord gotcha. And they can travel to different points in, in time but there was like a time war oh. at some point between okay. the old and the new doctor who there's like a big gap where Doctor Who was not being made. And Mm -hmm. so there's like, you know, the news from like nine on to we're on 14, 15, I think right now. So the Doctor is the main character, the main Time Lord man mm-hmm. uh, or woman. They're different people every time. And so the Doctor has a, just a deus ex machina utility device called the Sonic, <laughs> sonic Screwdriver. Okay. And it uses sonic waves to sort of just like make electronics do stuff or to like wiggle a, a lock so that it like will like unlock doors and stuff. Oh, Nice, nice. This is the screwdriver of basically like the evil Doctor doctor who is called the master. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And so this is, they use the laser screwdriver, which is, uses laser technology. And get this, I don't know how accurate this statement is, but this is what I was reading on the wiki. It has the ability to just like use lasers to like slightly push people back. <laughs> <laughs> not like slightly, but like a good amount, like physically push It, it just can
0: push you away. But
1: it's not like a lightsaber, right? It's not like it's going to burn through you, like, yeah. <laughs> like blunt force push you back because it's like what they
0: could do back in like the 60s (laughs) with like effects and stuff so that's literally amazing and i'm so glad i know that now
1: when it goads people it's because you're just like pushing them back oh
0: man that actually makes it so much more (laughs) fun so funny yeah that's that's excellent thank you for telling me that well i think that's kind of all she wrote about our about my four selections oh but wait huh I have a card I brought today. Oh, that's interesting. Let me check my watch. I guess it is sort of time for Kress's Chaos Pick of the Day. Yes! Yes! Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) So those who don't know, every single episode, Kress gets to pick the fifth card without my knowledge. And they're going to show it to me live. And we're going to talk about it.
1: So because you picked a Worlds Beyond card, I wanted to pick one. And so I picked something from the Lord of the Rings set. And because we have not talked about on this podcast yet a mono black card, I wanted to do that. So my card of the day is
0: Morgul Knife Wound. Whoa, that art is
1: incredible. You know when, when Frodo gets stabbed? Yes, gets stabbed by the Nazgul. Yeah, so that's with a Morgul blade or a Morgul knife. And it's like basically like poison that will kill you in like a certain amount of time, right? Unless you got pretty pretty elf people to like help heal or
0: whatever. Yeah, can you please read us the card? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a
1: one <laughs> black enchantment aura. <laughs> okay, <laughs> enchant creature, enchanted creature gets minus three minus zero, and has at the beginning of your upkeep exile this creature unless you pay two life Ooh, ooh. i like this ability a lot i think for a common I card love this it's like a fun game piece it's again one of those pieces that's not too like it's not a game-winning card but like it really yeah. puts people up against the wall it says hey if you want your creature you gotta pay for it mm-hmm. it does the minus three but if you're using this on like a bigger card that the minus three is not really effective for they still have to pay to keep their creature. Exactly. Exactly. I really like that. I really like a taxing politic on the table. I really like that element of choice, right? Like um monarch is one of my favorite mechanics. So this is not that, but this is a tax. And uh, I, I like, you know, you want to keep the biggest creature on the board. Just pay two life for it. That's all you got to do.
0: Yeah. And I, I enjoy this, honestly, on cards that aren't someone's commander, that Mm -hmm. are powerful or important for their game plan, just just simply because if they choose to exile with this card a commander, they can just send it back to the command zone. Right. But, like, if it's, like like, a giant creature, like, I don't know, something that's getting them a lot of value... Uh, There's a new Dragon Dinosaur in the new Caverns of Ixalan set that's very, very powerful. I would probably put this on that card just because, okay, you want to keep accruing value, you're going to have to pay taxes for it. Right, exactly. Or at least pay a little bit of life. Because another thing that I like about this card, and I'm like thinking about what decks I'm going to put it in, I'm literally probably going to order it after this. Yeah, it's so cool. It's very, very good. Is that... It's taxation, but it's not oppressive, wherein your opponents can't play their cards or not do stuff. Mm -hmm. This also doesn't even, like, tap down the creature. Like, it still can exist as a creature and still do its thing. But you just have to start to slowly drain yourself if you want to keep it on the board. Otherwise, you lose it. Right. So in which case, you're either paying two mana for an immediate exile removal spell, which is pretty good, especially a mono black. Or you are getting a long term life drain card. Right. Which I think is excellent. Absolutely excellent. I love this card. I, th- I think
1: it's so fun. I think the, the, you know, a lot of taxing cards have to do with mana, right? Which affects how you play the game. But this is affecting board state. And again, I like what affects board state a whole lot more in terms of uh, manipulation and control. I think affecting the board state is what's the most interesting when playing a game. Yeah. And this is just one of those things. Again, it's not, you know, it's not going to save the day. But, you know, even if you were going to use it on a you know, let's say a commander, uh, it could prevent you from taking lethal from a commander.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's not 100%. instant
0: speed. So whatever. But yeah, that minus three minus zeros can be way more effective than people think.
1: Right, right. But if a commander has been, let's say, collecting tokens or counters or whatever, and it's is reaching the, the scary 20, you know, the 21 number, you put this on that and then it goes, okay, I can either pay and then wait another turn to accrue more counters or whatever. Or I can, you know, like there are still situations where this can work, even even if the person just sends their, uh, you know, they're it might be easier, but that at least saves you a turn. Whereas this can also effectively just be like something you've done to sort of like, you know, you're not the enemy with this card. You're helping the table most of the time against something right. big as a player. I think that having
0: cards like that in your arsenal is sometimes better than just an outright board wipe or removal or single target removal. Exactly. Because
1: with outright board wipe removal, you have that risk of becoming the next big target. Exactly. And I think something like this could potentially, depending on who you're playing with, right? There are some players who are like, you did something to me, so now you get something back. But (laughs) this is not that big of a deal that, uh, you know, in a game, it might be that thing that is the difference between them swinging everything at you Mm -hmm. versus just like being slightly irritated at you. Yeah.
0: I think this is an excellent selection. This is a a card that you, I'm glad you've brought into my uh, into my scope. So thank you for that lovely selection, my friend. Oh that was well,
1: amazing. Uh, if we want to talk more about Lord of the Rings cards, I could bring a Lord of the Rings card every crest, at crest of the day. If we want, do we want to do crest picks that are only Lord of the Rings?
0: <laughs> then it wouldn't truly be chaos because I'd know. That it would be from something. Oh, uh, dang it. You're right. You, can, you could do it for the next one, too. If I'll you want. do whatever I want. That's also true. Well, that does it for our five cards. And now we are going to move on to our Discord poll of the week. If you don't know, every week we put a poll in our Discord and we poll people about various topics of MTG. And we just look at the stats, have a chat about them. And this week's poll is... How many colors do you prefer to build decks with? And then so we had mono color, two color, three color, four color, Wooberg, which is five color, and zero for colorless. And people could just sort of pick the numbers of colors that they like to build with.
1: I don't think it's surprising, really, at all. Yeah, let's, let's, right, like, let's
0: talk about the stats here. In first place, we have three colors with 41.41% of the vote. That's wild.
1: There's also... 41 people
0: who voted for this.
1: So that's really Whoa. crazy of a number. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. Just to go on into it, we do get a lot of people who interact. 41 is like for just one of these six options. It's like...
0: Yeah, that's correct. Come join the polls. Yeah, I guess all of these numbers actually line up with the amount of people... All the percentages line up with the amount of people who voted. So does that mean we have exactly 100 people who voted? Exactly
1: 100 people?
0: I'm not good at math.
1: That must mean exactly 100 people Participated so. in this
0: poll. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So yeah, three colors. I think obviously it just indicates that people love to get really creative. Access to three colors means that you have access to a lot of different cards that can help buoy a strategy that normally would not succeed as well or have not as much support in two colors or mono color So that tracks.
1: I think just having the versatility is something that people care about, right? Like definitely. I think ha- making a monocolor deck is very fun. But I think it's very challenging, and I don't think most uh, most people who play the game are like I would consider you like an avid deck builder, right? Like yeah. somebody who enjoys that. I don't think everybody who plays the game necessarily likes that. There's nothing wrong with just going on to you know EDH rec and and loading sure. something up, and then and then just getting the cards. And you and I like to build decks for different reasons, right? Completely. Exactly. But I do think that when it comes to two to three colors right that's like the perfect amount when you get higher than that you have to really start to think about mana bases and when you get lower than that you have to you're really confined to a specific type of gameplay
0: for sure i was going to say it. one of the main comments off the uh, the poll here is by one of the users Kingfire and they said I think 3 is the perfect place to give good deck building variance and doesn't push you into as many specific playlines which is basically exactly what you said it's just right the color combination that allows the most creativity in deck building and variance in deck building so in there you're going to find i think the mo- the majority of folks because right. of that but yeah and afterwards we have i think it fall fo- it sort of tracks after this we have two color at 37% So obviously this is probably the same amount where it's like they enjoy the variance of having multiple colors to choose from.
1: And just there's so much dual color, right, philosophy. So like exactly, there's lots of lore for the Ravnica guilds. There's lots with Strixhaven too that just came out. So there's lots of dual colors. That's like a philosophy in of itself to understand really easily without having necessarily to like... Some people who play EDH revolve 100% their deck around the commander itself coming onto the field. And that's not necessarily every single person who plays this game. And I think two colors makes that a little easier for players who aren't like don't have the knowledge to specifically tie things to a to a commander. If it's two colors, you know that Ravnica sets are going to have Boros cards, and Boros cards right. are going to work well with a Boros commander, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and it's also the two-color thing, especially with so many guilds that are so well-established in Ravnica and with the new schools in havens like, it gives something for people to identify with. And there are, like, factions for all the three-color pairs as well, mm-hmm. but they're not as, like, popular, I find, like, when someone's building a three-color deck, they're not always going to be like, "Oh, I just built a Mardu deck." I don't really hear that as often as I do. Yeah,
1: well, we haven't we haven't gone back to Dark Here in a while, have For we? For
0: sure. Yeah. Or we have is not. that? Uh, yeah, it's Tarkir and um, Alara. So Alara, Alara has right, right,
1: right the shards the, and like the, uh, five
0: of them, and then there's five in Cons of Tarkir, I think. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. the pairing is, but yeah. Going down the list, we have monocolor at 15%, or then we have WUBerg, which is 3%, four color, which is 2%, and colorless, which is 1%. I'm surprised only one person voted for colorless. Like truly li- that's uh, like really? what
1: I mean, some people love Eldrazi, some people love.
0: I think though that the artifact like the the sub the deck subtype itself of like Eldrazi kindred or artifact shenanigans Mm -hmm. typically they'll just want the access to more support which is found in the color pie rather than the colorless yeah you're right unfortunately we just don't have a lot of options for commanders in colorless like it's just not that many we've had them a few like a few new ones in the in the past like six months or so that have given us some options but again it's not as deep or rich of a pool as even a mono red artifact deck A lot of people are going to go for that. I'd
1: either like to see some sort of like new color, antimatter color, or uh, some more colorless love to represent either or. I I think the pie isn't getting stale. I just think for this new set of stuff that's very wacky, I think it's missing some sort of wacky element um, to sort of upset uh, the nature of the game.
0: I think that we need a bit more four color commanders or like, because I feel like people would love that if there were the option, if because all we have are like it's like 10 different ones and they're all just kind of like doing their thing but they're just old a lot of them we have the new aragorn that's four color but other than that it's not it's pretty slim pickings and hopefully we'll see more of that in the future
1: so where do you stand on the colors? Which one would you choose? Because again, you're a deck builder. I would I would consider you a deck builder.
0: I'm always thinking about restraints and limitations. So yeah. I think I'm drawn to monocolor just because I have the least amount of options and that makes me get very creative with what I have to include. But that being said, I also am a sucker for, I think I have a deck personally in every two color combination so far. And I just very much enjoy the the pairing of two, especially mm-hmm. when I am trying to subvert the very established tropes, like whatever the color pairing is. So it's like Azorius specifically, I struggled with for a very long time because I don't really like stacks and control all that much. And it's just a, not a, a playstyle that I really enjoy doing. However, like just recently, and you'll find this in our first ever patron episode if you become a patron, there is a commander called Will Scion of Peace that just came out in Throne of Eldrain or Wilds of Eldrain, sorry. and it's a white blue commander, but it cares about casting big spells, which you could take in multiple directions. You could take it in a spell slinging direction with large X spells or things like that. Or you could take it in a big chonky boy direction, which is ca- you know, big stompy creatures. That's not blue and white, but there's tons of really awesome big stompy creatures in blue and white. And I saw that as an opportunity to like sort of subvert that color pairing. And I like the ability to subvert. So I'd say monocolor first because the restrictions, but two color just because i can subvert a lot of things as a deck builder and that's very creatively engaging
1: yeah i i put uh three colors i like the versatility i like i tend to play soul tie if i can that's like my favorite but also uh what's what's the what's the abzan is that the black white
0: yeah black white green is Abzan. it's very fun
1: to play in as well because i i'm a theme deck builder (laughs) I like flavor, if you didn't know vibe right. from, from the vibes of this podcast today. Our resident uh,
0: flavor expert.
1: I well, I wouldn't call me an expert, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say that.
0: Flavor person. I,
1: I care about that first and foremost. So I'm I'm picking things that intuitively feel like they match. I often have friends in our play group who be like, because I'll surprise myself when I'm playing with a deck. I'll be like, oh, I put this card in here. And they'll be like, you <laughs> built the deck. How do you not remember that? And I was like, I don't know. I was just throwing I was right. just throwing stuff together um, that that vibed. <laughs> I'm all right. about the vibes of my deck. And I think playing with three colors, you restrain to sort of like, I, I tend to lean towards like making tribal focus decks or making like, uh, you know, not something like an ally deck that or a warrior deck that's like, Right. There's like a billion of them and they all kind of synergize. But like something like I was trying to make a... a what's that one? Was it Command Masters? I can't remember. The like lizard guy who like self-destructs one of the... Uh, what is he called? The The Viachino. I was trying to make just like a... I think a red, green, black Viashino, And I was just trying to make a full Viashino, and just like trying to find more cards that weren't just like red viashino was very challenging and like fun to like try to find so that's kind of like where i lean i always find that like yeah. the three color commanders from those command oriented sets or commander decks mm-hmm. that they release i just like how do i look at this from like a theme deck using all of magics right like because when they build decks for balance they can choose what they want to pre- reprint yeah from the entirety of the legacy but they're also trying to like keep things somewhat relevant, maybe to like a theme of a set that came out, especially now that they do command decks that are based off of the sets, right? But it's like, yeah, how can I do that? But also getting to use all of these old classic cards as well.
0: Amazing. Well, that's kind of does it for our poll of the week. Let's move on to our last segment of the pod, which is our patron question of the week. So if you're not aware, we have also a beautiful little Patreon, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. But if you're at a certain tier of our Patreon, you get to ask us questions that we can answer on the podcast. And our patron question for this week comes from user Jacuzzi. Thank you, Jacuzzi. Thank you for being a patron. You're amazing. They ask, where do babies come from? Just kidding. They then said, really, what creature tribe, typal, kindred do you wish had more support or a dedicated commander for? Mm -hmm. And that this made me think because there's actually quite a lot of like creature types where I'm like, I would love more of this. So like, you know, the weird ones like rabbits and eels and things that only have like, you know, two or three cards, I'm sure for mine, I think Cyclops would be a really, really cool creature type to invest in because there's only about 32 Cyclops creature cards throughout the entirety of Magic's history. There are some synergies, but they all kind of do different things. And I would love to just see them really dedicate time to like what a Cyclops can do in context of like the game and how that would manifest as a as mechanics, you know? Yeah,
1: as a Cyclops focused mechanic.
0: Exactly. And that would be really cool to see a commander that's sort of built around that. Maybe it's mono red because a lot of them are in red. There's also the very popular, uh the most popular is Babori. <laughs> Borboryg... Oh, my gosh. butcher.
1: Right? Is that close?
0: Borborygmos. I think maybe might be the best way to pronounce it. I know that that's, like, a very popular commander, uh, a relatively popular, and definitely the most popular cyclops. But there's, like, A certain card that I'm looking at is called Bloodshot Cyclops, which is a five and a red creature giant. And you can tap it and sacrifice a creature and it deals damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to target creature or player, which Mm -hmm. is essentially like a fling effect. And I think that would be a really fun direction for Cyclops to go in, in terms of like building a commander or making cyclops more inclined to big power and flinging because they throw things a lot. <laughs> I think that would be really fun. So, I yeah, that's that's the creature type I think w- would be fun to have a lot more support or like a dedicated commander for.
1: So, for me, I didn't even really have to think very hard about this because it's immediately came to my mind. Uh it's it's a quite sentimental. So, my favorite planeswalker is Tamiyo the Moon Sage. Nice. Cuz this is the first planeswalker I ever pulled from a pack. And so that led me to down the path of liking mono blue and everything like that like that card itself is like uh, a good staple of my magic journey starting out so i wanted more moon folk and they are only in kamigawa there's only about 20 something cards that are moon folk yeah and we got a good chunk of them in this last set that's
0: true that is true. So there were even less before that.
1: Right. And other than Kotori, who is a commander for that vehicle deck, they're all mono blue. Yeah. And look, I don't mind all mono blue, but I want to Moonfolk are like, as far as I can tell, just a race as much as any other race in the Magic the Gathering universe, right? right? Like the dalkin, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I understand thematically why they are in Kamigawa, but why are they Kamigawa specific, Right. Why don't we see moon folk anywhere else? And why don't we see moon folk other than Kotori of any other Mm. uh, color? I don't mind if they all are blue centered. But like, why don't we have like a blue red? There are some that are artificers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Uh,
1: there are a ton that are rogues. Why don't we have a blue black yeah.
0: moonfolk? I want to see more moonfolk so that we can build sort of a theme, a theme deck. Tamio is a great example that you could also because t- there's a blue green version of Tamio as well. There is. And there's like lots of land synergies with moonfolk if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. And yeah, you could easily make a blue green commander that maybe cares about returning lands to hand and landfall. That would be right. really powerful and really fun to build. and Oh, it would be a way to include a lot of the Moonfolk cards, right. too.
1: Like, why aren't there any black-centered uh, Moonfolk in Innistrad where the moon is always around? Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, it's always nighttime. That would
0: be really <laughs> cool, actually. Maybe they'll...
1: I know that's not, like, technically correct, but, like, on all the cards, it's, like, always nighttime.
0: No, I, I think that's valid. I think that's great. Those are great selections. Wizards, if you're listening, which I know you are. <laughs> all of you wizards. The ones on the coast. Yeah, the ones on the coast. Please print some cool Moonfolk and Cyclops cards. Please, me, oh, please, please, oh, please.
1: Or Moonfolk Cyclops.
0: And I wanted to thank Jacuzzi again for doing that patron question. And that brings us kind of to the end of the podcast, everyone. <sighs> um, and I just want to say... Plug, I gotta plug, 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 plug. And now plug. we're going to plug all of our stuff. So... If you enjoyed this content, guys, if you if you really want to uh, be a part of this community, you can hop in the EDH Jank Center Discord. I know I did. Yes, you did. And now you're a mod, and it's fun, and it's great. Um, <laughs> the EDH Jank Center Discord is a public Discord of a bunch of people who love budget, janky, underutilized cards. Like, like the reason you're here probably is because you're into that stuff. So we talk about sets and spoilers, cards, everything and anything under the MTG sun. We also host monthly giveaways, guys, of fun MTG product every single month. You do not have to be a patron to be a part of these giveaways. You just have to join the Discord and like the posts whenever we do the giveaways every month. Also, though, if you do want to support all the fun stuff we do here at the Jank Center, including the podcast, short form videos, the Discord, and our monthly giveaways, make sure to check out our Patreon. So the Patreon's got four awesome tiers, a $1 tier that gets you an extra entry in the giveaways every single month in the Discord. At the $3 tier, you get extra entries plus the ability to ask us questions that we answer live on the pod. At the $10 tier, you get everything, plus an extra episode of the podcast every single month. And these episodes will send around Cress and I building a specific commander that you get to choose. and We'll be discussing five cards we want to highlight from each of those builds, and you'll get to receive the exclusive deck lists for both decks that are built on the pod. Also, and finally, for our big spenders slash people who really love us and want to support us a ton, you can join the $25 tier wherein you get all the aforementioned stuff as well as the chance to be a guest on our five cards or die series that happens every other month. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube folks, follow the Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff, and make sure to leave a five-star review of this podcast. It really helps us a ton. And I know that I just said a ton of words all at once. Chris, you have anything left to say? But if you do all of that, I'll give you a big virtual hug. That's really valuable. That's at least $1,000 worth of hug right there. So (laughs) please do that, guys. And uh, that, after, after that, I, I don't know. I don't think we got to go, I guess. Yeah, how are you feeling? Feel feel pretty good. Okay. But I guess I can't really leave without saying, remember, kiddos, the spirit of the format is the gathering. Ah! <laughs> there it is. Hopefully that didn't peak. It's fine if it peaks. That'll be funny. <laughs>